flooding, accidents, trees down, you name it, everything. Now on the news hour, Sunday soaker, the south coast gets pummeled by a wicked weather system. Plus, Halloween weekend is always a very busy weekend in Vancouver. A string of overnight stabbings lands multiple victims in hospital, but no suspects in custody. And Unfortunately, with people setting off these fireworks, these dogs are absolutely terrified. The fight over illegal fireworks hits fever pitch this weekend. The people who love them and the animals who don't. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thank you for joining us. The deluge is here. The second atmospheric river to hit BC's south coast in as many weeks is a true soaker, with the rain starting late last night and still not letting up tonight. The downpour has transformed some streets and sidewalks across the region into waterways. Grace Key has more on a washed out Halloween weekend. Drivers were caught off guard in downtown Vancouver as streets flooded from the atmospheric river that hit Metro Vancouver House Sound in the Fraser Valley. The rainfall started overnight and continued into Sunday. Up to 50 millimeters of rain was expected in most regions, with up to 70 millimeters over the North Shore. Grouse Mountain Regional Park, including the Grouse Grind, BCMC, and the Baden-Powell Trails were all closed due to hazardous trail conditions. Strong winds whipping through waterlogged trees also pose problems. On Highway 91 in Delta, a downed tree blocked the 72nd exit. This one snapping right at its base. It's been nonstop since I uh, came on shift at 5. Flooding, accidents, trees down, you name it, everything. In Delta, more than a thousand residents were without power after a downed tree hit some wires. Uh, it was roughly about 10 in the morning and uh, there was a couple of uh, big flashes and, uh, and it, with an explosion, sounded like a, a loud, well, it was a loud explosion, and uh, two of them. And I guess they went, in, uh, they went together with their flashes. Water was pooling on roads all across the area, causing problems for drivers. In Burnaby, barricades were set up at Still Creek and Westminster Avenue due to flooded roads. River levels are also rising rapidly with the heavy rain. A high stream flow advisory is in effect for the south coast, Vancouver Island and central coast. The BC River forecast is keeping a close eye on the situation. The key thing that we're, we're watching for is you know, how much rain is going to happen and how that will interact with the landscape and how that will emerge as actual stream flows. Minor flooding in low-lying areas is possible, but so far, no major flooding is expected. Grace Key, Global News. Oh boy, so just how much rain has fallen and how much can, more can we expect? <laughs> Meteorologist Yvonne Shell joins us with all the answers as usual. Yvonne. Yeah, we're not out of the clear just yet. We have seen upwards of 50 millimeters, but this is what we're contending with. There's that swath of moisture. It's very heavy at times. We can see that even along the North Shore Mountains and it's extending right across the island. So a few areas, unofficial numbers so far, we have seen close to 60 millimeters. That's near Pitt Meadows. Squamish 54 out of the Vancouver Harbor, upwards of 50. West Vancouver, closer to 50 in the airport with lesser amounts 
amounts there just touching up to 20 millimeters. Now the rainfall warning is still in effect. We're seeing that for Metro Vancouver extending in towards the Fraser Valley all the way in towards Howe Sound and for this evening we're calling anywhere with an additional 15 and up to 25 millimeters so we're not out of the clear just yet but it is going to taper off overnight hopefully just in time for many for trick-or-treating. I'll have that coming up very shortly. Sarah? Fingers crossed. Okay thanks Yvonne. We'll see you soon. We're learning some breaking details tonight ahead of a significant news conference to be held by the health minister and the doctors of BC on Monday. Our Keith Baldry joins us now with more on this and what's expected to be a big announcement on a new master agreement. Keith. Yeah, a bit of a milestone, I would think. Given all the problems we see in healthcare right now, you'd think it'd be difficult to get a new collective agreement between the doctors and the government. That's exactly what's happened after about five months of negotiation. I think the elements of it are likely to reflect what has been in the news for the last few months. For example, the fee schedule will be increased to reflect rising inflation costs for doctors. The fee-for-service model will not be eliminated, but there'll be fewer doctors uh, being paid through that model. There'll be more creative compensation packages offered to doctors. There's going to be a real emphasis I think on changes and real profound changes to primary care and uh, the family doctor situation. You recall that announcement to provide overhead costs for family doctors a few uh, months ago. Been a huge take up but that. That will now I think be part of the collective agreement going forward. There's going to be some certainty there and that's a big load off a lot of family doctors minds and their pocketbooks. That's this news conference again. I think a bit of a milestone. A lot of changes coming uh, uh, taking place tomorrow at 10:15 in Vancouver. I think we'll be carrying that live on B one. The last collective agreement was ratified by a high percentage of doctors in BC. We'll see what the ratification vote is here. It's, it's a tentative agreement, still has to be ratified by, doc, by doctors, but I think there's likely confidence that's exactly what's going to happen. Okay, should be interesting. More to come tomorrow. Keith Baldry, thank you so much. Our CMP in Maple Ridge are investigating a deadly multi-vehicle crash in that city this morning. A section of Dudney Trunk Road at 224th Street remained closed for most of the day after the crash involving up to seven vehicles at around 10 o'clock this morning. Mounties confirm several vehicles were involved and sadly one person died on scene. BC Emergency Health Services says four people were hospitalized. Their conditions are unknown tonight. The Integrated Collision Analysis and Reconstruction Service Team, or ICARS, is also investigating the factors behind the crash. A weekend of Halloween festivities has ended in a spat of violence and a series of stabbings in Vancouver. Five people are in hospital tonight with stab wounds, all attacked within a two-hour time frame. And as Kamal Kermali reports, the suspects are still at large. The most serious of all the incidents that took place early Sunday morning happened here on West Broadway and Oak Street. A triple stabbing at around 1.30 in the morning. After a confrontation between two groups left three men seriously injured. All the men in the groups were in their 20s from White Rock and were in downtown for a birthday celebration. Two of them remain in hospital with serious injuries. Less than an hour later, a large fight involving another two groups of people but this time on Granville Street. Two men in their 20s suffered stab wounds to the face, hands and torso. In both stabbing incidents, within an hour of each other, the suspects fled and have not been identified. We don't believe at this point that they're linked. There's nothing to suggest that they were linked. They appear to be two separate incidents uh, that occurred just within close proximity to each other. Overall, a very violent weekend, which also included 
a man being slashed in the face in a separate altercation near Howe and Nelson Streets during those Halloween celebrations, and someone reporting a man with a gun during an altercation near English Bay. There was also a man in Chinatown who was threatened by a stranger with a knife. Uh, there's nothing to suggest that it's anything uh, gang-related, uh, anything that's motivated by like a stranger attack or, or an unprovoked nature. Police are still searching for the suspects in both those two incidents where multiple people were stabbed within an hour of each other and are asking anyone with any information to contact police. Kamal Karamali, Global News. A coroner's inquest is set to begin on Monday into the death of a man shot by police during a violent confrontation at a Vancouver Canadian tire store six years ago. 38-year-old David Peter Rintoul was shot multiple times by Vancouver police outside the Grandview Highway location in November of 2016. BC's Independent Investigations Office later cleared the VPD of any wrongdoing in Rintoul's death. The police watchdog's report found officers were justified in opening fire after Rintoul allegedly stabbed a store clerk and tried to steal guns. When officers tried to subdue him, the report says Rintoul stabbed one of them repeatedly. The inquest is scheduled to run through November 10th at Burnaby Coroner's Court. A desperate plea tonight from the family of a missing Burnaby man. Mario Mendez Campos went missing more than a week ago and now his loved ones are turning to the public, hoping you can help find him. Travis Prasad reports. Mario Mendez Campos was last seen here on Francis Street and Clark Drive on October 22nd. He was leaving the auto body shop he works at. I miss my dad so much. If I just want him to come home safe. and I know God's watching over him and I know he's going to bring him home to us soon. Donovan and Nelson Mendez had a family dinner planned with their father. When he didn't show up, they say they knew something was wrong. He was reported missing on October 28th. Campos's family described the 51-year-old as a healthy, hard-working man. When he's not at home, they say he's working at the body shop, a career he takes great pride in. Burnaby RCMP confirmed Mario Mendez Campos's vehicle, a white Jeep Patriot similar to this one, is also missing. He does not have any other family in the province, but does have some relatives in Alberta. His sons say the man is very family-oriented and stays in regular contact with them, so his disappearance is out of character and hard to process. It's very devastating to our family. Um, I, you know, I cannot sleep. Um, I cannot eat properly. You know, um, my dad raised me all my life, and uh, he means the world to me. No, the only thing I ever know about my dad doing is going to work and having family dinners with all of us and going to Superstore just to get groceries and that's pretty much it. And, you know, he's a very, he's a very good person. And Mario's family is offering a $5,000 reward for any information that leads to his whereabouts. Anyone who may have seen him is asked to contact Burnaby RCMP or Crime Stoppers. Travis Prasad, Global News. BC Ferries is offering complimentary vehicle and passenger travel for first responders attending Wednesday's regimental funeral for a Burnaby Mountie killed in the line of duty earlier this month. Police officers, firefighters and paramedics attending RCMP Constable Shaylin Yang's regimental funeral service will be able to travel for free on BC Ferries. The offer is valid on any route for first responders traveling to and from the Richmond service on Tuesday, Wednesday or Thursday. Constable Yang was fatally stabbed on October 18th while serving an eviction notice to a man living in a tent in a Burnaby Park. Jong Wan Ham has been charged with first-degree murder in her death. 
Next on the news hour, to mask or not to mask, that is the ever raging debate. I don't think it's important anymore as we took the vaccines. I feel more safe, I guess, like close space using the mask. But what do the experts have to say? What you need to know to protect yourself and others as we head into sixth season. That's after the break. Stay with us. While BC is in the midst of flu and respiratory illness season, the indoor mask mandate is long gone and fewer and fewer people are covering up. At the same time, the province expects COVID cases will rise as more people gather indoors. So to mask or not to mask? Kristen Robinson asked the experts. In the months since BC's mask mandate was lifted in March, the number of people masking up indoors or on transit has slowly dwindled. I don't think it's important anymore as we took the vaccines. I do wear one occasionally, um, not all the time. Others say they're not taking it off, especially in grocery stores and indoor public spaces. I feel more safe, I guess, like close space using the mask. Oh yeah, I'm wearing masks to protect myself. <laughs> I'm used to them. I believe they work. Like you wearing one, I'm wearing one. We give each other, we respect each other, give sense of comfort, and it's proven that it does help. Right now, what we're seeing in Canada is BQ.1.1 spreading at a faster rate than all of the other variants. The variant is immune-evading, and UBC professor Sarah Otto says masks remain one of the most effective ways of preventing person-to-person -person transmission. More of us are likely to get infected, so it's another really good reason to mask, because we know that this particular virus, that if it gets in you, is just much more likely to cause an infection. So it's better just to keep it out of, out of your body mask up. BC's health minister walking that talk in the legislature where he is one of the few MLAs still wearing masks, including during question period. In indoor public spaces, uh, I wear masks. Not everyone does. It is not mandatory, but it's still recommended. After more than two years of public health advice, Adrian Dix understands people may be tired of being told what to do. Circumstances haven't changed. We're in respiratory illness season. We're still in a worldwide pandemic. We're emerging in our lives, but we have to be conscious that these uh, risks still exist and act accordingly. It's just out of respect towards science, towards you as a community member, and my own health concerns. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Emergency room doctors across the province and the country have long been sounding the alarm about the dire state of ER wait times and services. Now, a new study out of the University of Alberta is showing overburdened emergency rooms are also leading to hidden costs and workloads. Chris Chacon explains. I would say this is the worst it's ever been. Emergency departments across the country are experiencing record wait times. Anywhere from two to seven hours, depending on which emergency department um, you're going to. Uh, and currently, uh, I've seen wait times across the country uh, even approaching 18 to 20 hours. We're seeing emergency departments close, and we're seeing wait times reach dangerous levels across the country. A new University of Alberta study finds those busy emergency rooms have led to higher costs because of the need for additional care after the initial emergency room visit. As they get busier, they have less time to spend time with the patient directly. As an alternative, what they do is that they order more tests uh, that can be helpful in diagnosing 
the case. Compounding the problem is a shortage of staff, like nurses, resulting in greater workloads for those frontline staff in the ER. But the study's author stresses there are things patients can do to alleviate some pressure. For the patient side, uh, we propose that the next time that you are going to the emergency room, just give it a second thought. Do you really need to go to emergency room or do you have some other channels where you can seek for care if it is not a really serious issue? One Edmonton ER doctor says changes need to go further. We need better planning. We need to admit that we have run the system too lean. We need to come up with plans that take into account the crux of the healthcare system is people. So it's people who look after people. Dr. Thursk says it's the worst he's ever seen and healthcare professionals and patients end up paying the price. Knowing that we can't help people like we were trained to do, like we would want our family members to be looked after, is painful to see day after day. Chris Chacon, Global News. Coming up, chilling new details in the attack on the husband of Nancy Pelosi. Plus, Canadian Connection. And I like turn around and I told the crowd, you can't come this way. At least <laughs> one Canadian among the injured in a deadly stampede in South Korea as the death toll of mostly young adults hits a staggering number. That's after the break. Breaking news out of Brazil tonight, a country with a new president-elect and it's an about-face for the country after four years of far-right politics. 20 years after first winning the Brazilian presidency, leftist Luiz Inácio Lula da Silva defeated incumbent Jair Bolsonaro in an extremely tight election. With more than 99% of votes tallied in the runoff, da Silva had just under 51%, while Bolsonaro garnered just over 49%. It is a stunning reversal for De Silva, whose 2018 imprisonment over a corruption scandal sidelined him from the election that brought Bolsonaro, a defender of conservative social values, to power. We are learning chilling new details in the vicious assault on the husband of U.S. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi on Friday. The Associated Press is now reporting the B.C.-born prime suspect had zip ties on him in yet another parallel to the U.S. Capitol riot of January 6th. Nancy Pelosi was seen leaving her San Francisco home today and getting into a motorcade that headed for the hospital where her husband Paul is recovering. The Speaker released a statement saying the attack has left her and her family heartbroken and traumatized. Police say an intruder broke into Pelosi's home and beat her 82-year-old husband with a hammer, allegedly asking, where is Nancy? The speaker was not home at the time, nor was her security detail. 42-year-old David DePap, who grew up in Powell River but moved south of the border years ago, now faces numerous charges, including attempted murder. A Canadian has now been confirmed among the hundreds of people injured in a deadly stampede in the South Korean capital this weekend. More than 150 people were killed, many of them in their 20s and 30s, when a massive crowd somehow surged into a narrow alleyway. At least 20 of the dead are foreign nationals. Dan Spector has the latest, but first a warning. You're about to see some footage that is hard to watch. Tens of thousands of young people packed too tightly into Seoul's main nightlife district, Taiwan, as what should have been an exuberant Halloween party became a nightmare, with dozens being crushed to death on Saturday night. Authorities say 80% of those killed were in their 20s or 30s. There's so many people. <laughs> what are you going to do with 10 people? 
Yeah. And I had to like turn around and I told the crowd, you can't come this way. People are dying. People trapped in the packed, narrow alleyways tried to claw their way upwards out of the suffocating crowd. But many could not escape the surge. 96 of the dead were women, 56 men. Making matters worse, first responders had to battle to get in, some revelers performing CPR on their own friends, while others, oblivious, continued to party. The big question now, how could this happen? An investigation is underway. A crowd control expert points to this being the first big Halloween party after COVID restrictions were dropped. There's a lot more um, people in uh, places of public assembly uh, than before, and fewer trained staff to uh, cater for the safety. Sunday morning, the district littered with ominous evidence of the horror of the night before. Some paying tribute to those who lost their lives. The South Korean president toured the scene, expressing his condolences, saying it never should have happened. It always starts with what is the area, what are the approach routes, uh, what is the safe holding capacity, and if it starts to exceed that, how do we prevent a crush developing? World leaders, including the Canadian prime minister, extended sympathies. At this Korean church in Ottawa, parishioners praying for the victims. There are over 200,000 people with Korean ancestry living in Canada, many of whom have spent time where the chaos unfolded, along with their sorrow, anger. There should have been a better crowd control because people knew that this was going to be the crowded area. Korean Canadians no doubt among those who will be watching the investigation closely. Dan Spector, Global News, Ottawa. And frantic rescue efforts are still underway tonight after a suspension bridge collapsed in western India, killing more than 80 people. As many as 400 people were on the bridge when it and its occupants plunged dozens of meters into the river below. Footage shows survivors clinging to ropes as night fell, with others swimming and scrambling to safety. Already, calls are growing for an immediate investigation into what caused the collapse. The 230-meter-long bridge is a major tourist attraction. It was built in the 1800s under British colonial rule and had just recently reopened to the public after undergoing repairs. Coming up, the great divide over fireworks gets set to explode again. Fortunately, we haven't had any injuries this year, but we haven't had several in the past. Love them or hate them, you'd be hard-pressed to avoid them this weekend and tonight, and that includes our four-legged friends. What you need to know heading into the height of fireworks season, that's after the break. Stay with us. It's that time of year again that's not just about trick-or-treating, but also about the great divide between those who are fans of fireworks and those who cannot stand them. While many will be reveling in the classic Halloween pastime this weekend, critics say illegal fireworks in residential neighborhoods are anything but fun for humans and their pets. Julie Nolan reports. Drop it. Good girl. Little Lexi isn't a big fan of fireworks and neither is her owner. The, the stress it causes, potentially, you know, there's no benefit, really. Even though it's a time of celebration, animals can be agitated by the sound of fireworks. Not her favourite, but she, she copes. These dogs are absolutely terrified and running loose, getting into traffic. Veterinarian Adrian Walton says there's been a handful of calls this week in Maple Ridge about pets and fireworks. 
Luckily, no animals have been injured, but the stress that comes with fireworks is definitely real for owners and their pets. The dogs are more likely to run away, the cats are more likely to hide, and you'll never find them. So you think they've escaped the house, but they're actually hiding under the bed. Walton's best advice is to plan ahead. Make sure your pet is microchipped. Although not the first choice to help your pet cope with the noise, sometimes sedatives might be best. But Walton reminds people not to give marijuana to their pets. We're trying to keep your animal relaxed, not zonked out. Despite the bans on fireworks in many municipalities, Vancouver Fire Rescue Services reminds people to think twice about setting them off. The fire prevention inspectors have the ability to ticket. It's, you know, can go from hundreds to thousands of dollars in confiscation of all fireworks. We're hoping um, we don't have to go there as far as, as using that ability, but it's definitely an option that our, our inspectors would use. Even Vancouver's fire chief will be out on Monday night handing out tickets. Although people will likely disobey the rules on Halloween, experts say do what you can to keep your pets safe and comfortable. Julie Nolan, Global News. So cute. Okay, Yvonne Schell is back with a look at our forecast. And at least another concern about those fireworks, the wildfire risk appears to be easing with the soggy weather this weekend. Yeah, we've tonight. really had the soaker across the board, Sarah, which has helped across the region, especially for the province. Uh, but we are going to continue to track rainfall still heavy at times through this evening with an additional 15 and up to 25 millimeters. And we do have that swath. Once again, some of the numbers that we've been seeing, we have had upwards or close to 60 millimeters. We've seen that through pit meadows. Here's a look at the rainfall warning that's still extended in towards house sound most areas into the Fraser Valley will see higher amounts between that 15 and up to 25 millimeters. I wanted to give a look ahead through the work week. We are going to see a dry patch Tuesday, Wednesday, a bit of a break in the action, and then it picks up once again on Thursday, Friday. So if you're making plans for the week, we are going to see a bit of a lull in the action and then heavier rainfall picks up once again for both our Thursday, Friday. Also wanted to outline across the province through the day tomorrow, a bit of instability is going to pick up and this will be the northern half of the province. We're seeing the chance for some showers, even the risk of thunderstorms will pop up across the region. A bright spot will be for the central interior. We have a few flurries in the mix, more of a break as we get in through the afternoon and a few wet flurries may be possible for the early morning hours with the piece starting off just below the freezing mark and then climbing up to three degrees. Much of the southern half through the day, it'll be just a chance of showers, but the winds are going to pick up. We are going to see the potential with those gusts of up to 50 kilometers per hour. If you're heading along the mountain passes near the summit for a few of them, you'll want to check in with drivebc.ca for the latest road conditions, but the connector as well as the Kootenai Pass could still see that accumulating snowfall for the early morning hours before it changes over to showers. Whistler will climb up to 8 through the afternoon. Most areas across the island will still hang on to a chance for some showers. Heavier at times across the northern half for areas near Port Hardy. Inland tomorrow, Port Alberni bumping up to 10 degrees and Nanaimo climbing up to 13. Lower mainland, we are going to see the rain ease off, especially late overnight, taking us in towards the morning. Back to work and school, we'll just still see a chance for some showers. Bit of a breeze, though, for areas that are closer to the water and areas extending into the Fraser Valley will still see those temperatures getting into the double digits. Your trick-or-treating forecast for a few spots across the province. Now the north coast, I've left in that slight risk of a thunderstorm. Some chance for some showers will be across the region. Central interior, it looks to be dry, but grab the layers. We are seeing those temperatures below the freezing mark and areas near the Okanagan will be looking at 6 degrees with some cloud cover and a bit of a breeze in there with those winds picking up to 30 or 40 <laughs> kilometers per hour. We have to include them again, Sarah. An <laughs> I update. love Frankenstein. Uh, 
get in there and for Metro Vancouver, we've left in that 40% chance. If you're planning your costume, we've got a few isolated showers possibly in the mix and temperatures will be hovering at seven. So our trick-or-treating forecast, a bit breezy though. Make sure you've got the, the, the decorations sort of uh, tapered down because it mm. is going to be a breeze out there. And then we will see some breaks in our long-range forecast. But trick-or-treaters so far, a chance for some showers. Sarah? Okay, fingers crossed. Thanks so much, Yvonne. A Burnaby man is marking this Halloween with a regal twist to his jack-o'-lanterns, or should we say Queen-o'-lanterns. Remarkably detailed pumpkin portraits of the late Queen Elizabeth II have been etched into several pumpkins at Jeremy Burgle's patch. He carves a special celebrity portrait every year in honor of a late notable figure. This year, of course, the Queen was a no-brainer. In the past, I've done Robin Williams and many other celebrities. And this year, it had only seemed fitting, obviously, that it was going to be the queen. So normally I would do one pumpkin, but this year, given it was such an important person, I thought three is fitting. Wow, and if he seems remarkably talented, it's because he's worked hard at honing his skills. Burgle has been practicing his carving craft since he was just 10 years old, and clearly by looking that holy cow, it is paying off. Those are very good portraits. Pretty amazing. I was wow. going to say, back to the dancing Frankenstein, it reminds me of Mark Madriga <laughs> at a past Christmas party. That's what it was based on. Those so are that moves. makes sense. Those, Those are, are definitely his moves. His moves. Looks very, I said, that looks familiar. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I thought I recognized yeah. that guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just put him Barry in a Del costume on the graphic, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Barry DeLay on this uh, football Sunday. Mm -hmm. And he was green, too, because of you know he was celebrating a lot. Uh, Seahawks uh, looked fantastic again, took on uh, the New York Giants, who had a 6-1 record coming in, but Seattle shut them down again, so we'll have highlights of another win. And we'll have a story on uh, Zach Benson out of Chilliwack. Connor Bedard has got a lot of attention. He's going to be the number one overall pick in the hockey draft, the NHL draft this summer. Well, Benson won't be far behind, and we've got a feature on him coming up. Okay, very cool. Looking forward to it. Thanks, guys. Coming up, a moment of loud in honor of a fallen stunt driver. He would look me in the eye and say, I'm not done yet. Neither are we. How the loved ones of a legendary local stunt driver are fulfilling his dying wish and honoring his legacy. That story after the break. The special stories that shape our province, as suggested by our viewers. This is BC with Jay Durant. Real people, real stories. This is BC with Jay Durant, who's brought to you in part by Van Camp Breakways, BC owned and operated for 75 years. Al Sylvester was known as a fearless stunt driver and competitor within BC's racing community. Sadly, earlier this year, he passed away after a battle with cancer. But his loved ones are keeping his memory alive and honoring his legacy by fulfilling his dying wish. Jay Durant has the inspiring story on tonight's This Is BC. The old PE rollover competition attracted a special kind of driver. Someone who embraced a bad crash rather than trying to avoid one. Al the Cat Sylvester in his 88 car was a three-time champion. Well, there was a couple of times he'd get out of the car and he's like, I can't move. I'm a little sore. But he'd go back in the car and do it again. Nothing you can take to equal the, the rush you get once you come out of here. Whether it was flying off ramps or racing around the oval, this was his life. The cat became a popular figure on the local circuit. So this here is one of the first place plaques Al got in 1996. We lived and breathed motorsports. Our first date was Agassiz Speedway. Yep. This was just recent. Since his death last month, Lori Sylvester has been honoring her late husband within the racing community. Awesome day. 
opening up the Armstrong Demolition Derby with a special tribute. Instead of a moment of silence, I did a moment of loud. Sylvester's impact at the track will live on after helping to launch the careers of many young drivers. Kids that are getting in now, who know, like three years down, four years down the road, they got kids and next thing you know, there's your next gen of racers, right? In his final days after a year-long battle with incurable blood cancer, Al took on one more mission, starting a fundraiser for cancer research. He would look me in the eye and say, I'm not done yet, neither are we. We got to do. The goal is to raise $88,000, a nod to Al's favorite number. As he hangs there. And part of the lasting legacy of a guy who gave everything he had to the sport he loved. Yeah, it is a lifestyle, definitely. He made a difference. He made an impact. He will always be a part of us. And we will carry the show, you know, we'll continue. We'll continue on. Jay Durant, Global News. If you have a great story idea about BC you'd like to suggest today, just email him at thisisbc at globalnews.ca. After the break, Barry's back on this football Sunday, plus trick or sweet. Many of these kids I haven't seen for a couple of years, and they have grown, they're thriving. It's wonderful seeing all of that. Halloween comes early for some very deserving kids, and the rain was no match for these trick-or-treaters. We'll take you there. That's after sports. From the stories we need to know to a look at what's happening right now around us. When BC needs to connect, BC turns to the source that brings us together. Global News. Connect. Head to the Queen Elizabeth Theatre for Jesus Christ Superstar. Join Broadway across Canada in celebrating the 50th anniversary of the iconic show. Be there for a new mesmerizing production appealing to both theatre audiences and concert music fans. Join Surrey Hospital's foundation and over 600 community leaders and medical luminaries for the 6th annual Celebration of Care Gala. A Sweet Escape is a fanciful and magical event guaranteed to surprise and indulge your senses. For Our BC, I'm Michael Newman. If you wanna know, it's on the house. If you wanna show, it's on the house. If you wanna go, it's on the Global BC Community Hub. Navigate your now. Welcome back. Barry's back. Mm -hmm. Seahawks highlights. We have a few colleagues actually at the Seahawks yeah, game. Yeah, I think Double J is down there. Uh, high five and everyone who will, who, will, who will go along with it. He definitely leads the department in high fives. Was it good news for JJ Hour? It, it was, yeah. Well, I'm okay. sure he was cheering for the Seahawks. But uh, Seahawks have been fun to watch, which mm -hmm. wasn't always the case earlier in the season. Thanks, Sarah. The Seahawks began the day the surprising leaders of the NFC West Division with a 4-3 record, but they had a tough test on their hands today, hosting the 6-1 New York football Giants. Truth be told, not many people thought the Giants would be this good either, but they've won a lot of close games. Their average margin of victory in those six games, four points. Defensive battle in the first half, no scoring until the second quarter. Seahawks on a long uh, drive, keep it going. Gutsy call, fourth and two. Little pitch to the tight end, Will Disley, and the second fourth down conversion of the drive. They keep going and they will cash it in. Geno Smith with the dart pass to DK Metcalf. 15 play drive for the touchdown and the Seahawks have the lead 7-0. The Giants had absolutely nothing going but get a big defensive play. Adore Jackson strips the ball from Tyler Lockett's hands. The Giants recover at the two and they punched it in for the touchdown. 
That tied it up 7-7, a rare mistake from the veteran Lockett. But the Seahawks get a big play on special teams. They force the fumble on the punt return. Will Disley recovers, led to a field goal, and Seattle led 10-7 at the half. Third quarter, Hawks looking for more. Geno Smith to Tyler Lockett, wide open, but Lockett dropped a sure touchdown, his first pass drop of the entire season. A nightmarish day with the previous fumble as well. Gino says, that's okay, I got your back. Fourth quarter tied at 13. True to his word, Gino Smith to Tyler Lockett for the touchdown. Redemption for Lockett, who also will get a big hug from Pete Carroll on the sidelines. 2013 Seahawks lead, and then after recovering another fumble off a punt, the rookie running back, Kenneth Walker, does it again. Terrific cutback, takes it in for the 16-yard touchdown. Another sparkling, dynamic play from Walker, his fifth touchdown of the year, 27-13 Seahawks. Funny play late, Carroll celebrating a Geno Smith run for the first down, inadvertently bumps into the official. Pete gets a penalty for sideline interference. It's funny if you win, and the Hawks did. 27-13, they lead the NFC West at 5-3. and three. Just a complete win here at Lumen for everybody. And, and I know that, uh, you know, we've been, it's kind of been on alert. You know, what's going on here? You know, what are these guys doing? Well, how, how's this happening? Um, they're hanging together and they're, they're playing together and they're, they're, they know that they can improve and they know that there's areas in their football that they can get better. You know, we're in, we're in good position in the division, to, you know, to, to make some noise if we can keep rolling. Uh, but it's about... Big NFC West showdown, 49ers and Rams from Los Angeles. This was the Christian McCaffrey show playing his second game with San Fran since being traded from Carolina. Some razzle-dazzle. McCaffrey, a great throw to Brendan Ayuk for the touchdown. A 34-yard delivery from McCaffrey. And then in the third, McCaffrey with a tremendous touchdown catch off uh, the pass from Jimmy Garoppolo. Niners led 17-14. And then McCaffrey will run it in for a touchdown. A TD pass, a TD catch, a TD run for McCaffrey. First guy to do that since Ladanian Tomlinson in 05 as the Niners win 31-14. Arizona Cardinals at Minnesota. Cards at 3-4 and four, trying to keep pace in the NFC West. Third quarter, Arizona down 11, but Kyler Murray goes 38 yards to Rondale Moore. He takes it in, cuts the lead to 28-23, but the Vikings always had an answer, and they answer again. They sealed the deal on this Kirk Cousins to K.J. Osborne touchdown. Vikings win it 34-26. They're 6-1, and, and the Seahawks are happy to see Zona lose as they drop to 3-5. And, and one more, Kenny Pickett and the Steelers taking on the undefeated Philadelphia Eagles, but it's Abbotsford's Chase Claypool who throws the touchdown, and he does it left-handed. An amazing play by Claypool. The way the Steelers quarterbacks have played this year, maybe Claypool should change positions, but this was all Eagles. A.J. Brown hauled in three touchdowns in the first half alone. Jalen Hurts, four TD passes on the day. Eagles stay perfect. 35-13 over the Steelers. Philly now 7-0. The Steelers struggling at 2-6. Montreal's Felix Auger-Aliassime is the hottest player in tennis right now. Felix completed the hat-trick today, winning his third tournament in three weeks, capturing the prestigious Swiss Indoor today in Basel to go along with wins in Italy and Belgium this month. Felix taking on 19-year-old Dane Holger Runa. First career meeting between the two. Auger-Aliassime has not dropped a service game all week. It's been such a weapon. Big serve sets up the overhead at net, and Felix took the opening set 6-3. Now, in the second set, he did get challenged. 
faced a couple of break points at 3-4, but served a couple of bases and just got out of it. It's what the top players always seem to do, and Felix is playing like a champion. Match point, Felix will crush a forehand. Runa can't handle it, and that is it. A third straight title in three weeks in Europe, now up to number eight in the world rankings. Next up, the Paris Masters starting tomorrow. Meanwhile, Felix Goodpal, Denis Shapovalov in, of Toronto in the final in Vienna against top seed Daniel Medvedev of Russia. Medvedev had rolled through the tournament, had not dropped a set, but Denis played great early on. Beautiful drop volley at the net. He won the opening set 6-4, but Medvedev took the second set and then really took over in the third. Medvedev got into rhythm and started hitting some of those fantastic shots. Good effort from Denis, but he falls in three sets in Vienna. Shapovalov also heading to Paris now like all the rest of the top players for the Paris Masters. Western Hockey League today from Calgary. Giants and the Hitmen. Third period, 1-0 Calgary, but Ty Halliburta on the rebound. Ties it up 1-1, but the uh, Hitmen will answer right back just a couple of minutes later. Sean Shigurl will find the net from the sharp angle, and the Giants fall 3-2 in Calgary to the Hitmen. North fans Connor Bedard will almost certainly be the number one overall pick in next year's NHL draft. He had another five-point game today for the Regina Pats. But Chilliwack's Zach Benson won't be far behind Bedard. His stock just keeps climbing as a star for the Winnipeg Ice. Despite being one of the smaller players in the Western League, Chilliwack's Zach Benson has definitely emerged from the crowd in a big way. And when the Winnipeg Ice brought Zach to his first training camp at the age of 15, they couldn't believe how good he was. Um, first practice, he was the best player on the ice as a 15-year-old. Um, his skating was so noticeable. By, by the third day of practice as a, as a coaching staff and, and management, we were, we were laughing and giddy about how good he looked. Ty Nash looking for the equalizer, centers it, Brody scores! Zach Benson ties the game! My strengths would probably be my hockey IQ and, uh, and skill. Uh, I think I get to the right areas. Um, I find the soft areas, and I think that's what really uh, helps me succeed. But that's not the only way he's been able to succeed and become a top prospect for next year's NHL draft. His hockey IQ means he can avoid getting squeezed out by larger opponents. He's got a great stick. He takes away passing lanes. He can lift sticks from behind. But his, his reads more than anything, he's, he knows where the play is going, where it's headed, what the probable play is going to be. And on the defensive side, he can cut it off. On the offensive side, he can make things happen with it. Zach Benson is another successful graduate from the Yale Hockey Academy in Abbotsford. I would say two of the best years of my, uh, of my life. And, uh, you know, Brad Bowen, Aaron Thornton, uh, huge in my development. And I think I gained a lot of... Uh, hockey skills out of there, but also uh, just day-to-day uh, -day life skills. I have to kick him off the ice. Never wants to take a day off. I don't want him wearing down. And I play him, you know, a lot of games I play him more than any other four. He'll beg me to go on the ice. So um, he loves to play and he wants to get better. That's how I would describe him. Yeah, keep an eye on him. It was Diwali night at uh, Abbotsford last night. The Baby Canucks hosting San Diego Gulls. Will Lockwood off to a good start. Gets the uh, setup from Lane Peterson, who the Canucks just got in the Ethan Bear deal Friday. Peterson also scored. Abby led 2-1, but it went to a shootout. And unfortunately, Danny O'Regan was the only guy to score. So San Diego wins, but a loser point for the Canucks as they fall 3-2. 
Check out some soccer ML West Conference Finals. Max Cripo is the goalkeeper for LAFC, but he did not surrender a goal. It was all an LA story today. Christian Arango striking in the 29th with the header off the free kick. Former Whitecap head coach Mark DeSantos, an assistant for LAFC. They win 3-0. They'll meet either Philadelphia or New York City FC for the MLS Cup next weekend. And last night, overnight in New Zealand, Canada's women's rugby team taking on the USA in the quarterfinals at the Women's World Cup. They beat the Americans handily in their last group stage match, and they did it again. Paige Ferris replays her club rugby on Vancouver Island, scores a try there. Canada win 32-11. They'll meet England in the semis next Saturday. And the Canucks have just announced they have a major news conference for 2.30 tomorrow afternoon. We understand it's not uh, staff-related as far as coaches, etc. So, but we don't know. It's very mysterious. We'll find out. Could be business-related. Could be a contract. We're not sure, but it's okay. big, apparently. Looking forward to okay. that. Tomorrow afternoon. Tomorrow afternoon. Okay, sounds good. Coming up, Trick or Treat will take you to a heartwarming early Halloween celebration for some very special kids. Stay with us. Welcome back. Okay, Halloween is tomorrow, but for hundreds of kids in Vancouver, the treats and the tricks came one day early with the return of a very special Halloween event today. For the first time since 2019, volunteers with the Starlight Children's Foundation were able to host the Trick or Sweet event at the Rocky Mountaineer train station. The indoor event allows families with a loved one with a compromised immune system or those with accessibility challenges to enjoy various fun Halloween games and activities in a safe environment. Today, some 60 families took Part. For many of our Starlight children and families, trick-or-treating is not possible, especially on a day like today. So it means that they would be stuck inside. We like to host this so that they can come inside, do all kinds of different activities, have a lot of fun celebrating yeah. Halloween. Starlight Canada has been hosting events like today's for families across the country for more than 30 years. What a great cause. Trick-or-treating indoors, I see there, but what about for outdoor trick-or-treaters tomorrow? Yvonne? Bit of a breeze tomorrow, so the winds could pick up. And keep in mind, we're leaving in a chance for some showers for those trick-or-treating hours. We're hoping that it'll ease off, and then we've got some sunshine in the mix in the long range, too. Okay, sounds good. That's all for us tonight. Thanks for being with us. Happy Halloween. Enjoy that trick-or-treating. Jasmine Bala is here at 11 o'clock. Have a great week ahead. Good night. Happy Halloween.